Good morning, church. Let's stand to worship. Happy Mother's Day, mamas. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing but not
give him a hand this morning? We're thankful we're out of that grave. Amen.
He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come with me in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be. Oh 
in this house this morning. Let's declare and let's pray this over our families. Let's get out. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations Come on, fathers and mothers, declare this morning.
my spirit, and I said this the first service, and I really felt it, and I feel it now more than ever. And I told Brian backstage, I think it's for both, both services, but I feel there is some ladies that want a family and haven't been able to get pregnant. And I don't know when it's coming, but get ready. Because God is going to impregnate you. And you're going to declare over your family what we're singing this morning. Maybe you've lost one. Jesus is going to restore in this, this morning. In Jesus' name, claim that on your life. As we sing it again, Rachel, will you lead that? this morning. Father, I pray for everyone that's here today and those who are watching. God, I allow and pray that you will allow them to know. God, that you will go with them. God, you'll go before them. God, you'll be beside them. Father, you'll be behind them. And God, I pray for your blessings on their families. And God, for generations to come. Father, I pray as we prepare to go into your word. God, that you will open up our hearts and open up our eyes to hear, to see what it is that you would have us see this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence that we feel. God, I thank you for being with us. No matter what we're going through. No matter what we're facing. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen and amen. Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. Uh, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the, the mothers here. And um, last year we didn't get to celebrate together for Mother's Day. Uh, we actually had to, uh, uh, we had people 
the mothers had to drive through the parking lot and we had our mask and our gloves and, and we handed you a gift and it's so much better to be able to do that in person today and we're so glad that you're with us if you're a guest Thank you for being here. Uh, we uh, do not take it lightly that you have chosen to, to spend uh, your Sunday morning, the beginning of your week with us. And uh, we would love to a chance to meet you after service. We'll be downstairs in the cafe. And I would love just to, uh, to, to talk with you for a few minutes. And, uh, but we are so glad that you're here and uh, that you're able to celebrate with us today. Last week, we finished up a series. Oh, rewind. Um, I want to tell you about one more thing, because if I don't, I'll forget. Um, May 23rd. We have what we call around here a growth track. And basically what that is, is it's just a couple of hours uh, where we provide childcare, we provide dinner, and, uh, but it's a couple of hours that you can come and spend with us and we can spend with you that will let you know a little bit more about what Gateway is about, what our vision, our mission is, how it was started, uh, how that we've gotten to 444 Blackburn Avenue and, um, and, what we, and where we see God taking us. And so that is May 23rd. It'll be at five o'clock. It's a Sunday evening. And uh, you can sign up online. Uh, if you're not an online kind of person and you just want uh, your good paper and pen, uh, just come see me or see my wife and uh, we'll make sure that we know that you're gonna be here and find out if you need childcare and, and uh, what kind of steak you like. Uh, okay, it won't be steak, but, um, but we would love to have you for that. So now, commercial over. Last week, we finished up a five-week series that we were talking about baggage, and we were talking about how that through life we carry things and, and that, uh, that we don't have to carry. And, uh, we had, and, and I've heard several reports of, of people being set free, and I pray that uh, as you went through this week and uh, just as we talked about last week, how that the enemy, uh, he doesn't give up. And he's going to come back and he's going to keep attacking and he's going to counterattack and it's going to be harder and harder. And, and, uh, but the encouraging news is that we serve a God who's able. And so I pray that this week you've been able to stay free and that you're uh, still living and rejoicing in that. Uh, this week, we, uh, it's Mother's Day. So if you've not been here very long or uh, maybe it's your first time here, first time hearing me speak, uh, there's few things in life that I enjoy more than coffee. Um, well, let me clarify that. There's few things in life that I enjoy more than a good cup of coffee. Now, because some people have the belief that, you know, coffee is coffee. Uh, those people are wrong. Uh, I want to tell you that um, uh, I've been called a coffee snob, and I wear that label proudly uh, because um, I'm always in search of the best cup of coffee. I always want to know where the best spots in town are to go. I've been known to go someplace and sit down and, and order coffee and take one drink. And, and then I try not to make a face because I don't want it to be obvious. When the server comes back, I'm like, could, could you just bring me something else? Um, and, and I try to be nice. I'm like, it, it just, it's not sitting well with my stomach. Uh, if you're with me and I say that, that is code for this coffee is Maxwell House. Okay, Maxwell House, if you're wondering, Maxwell House is not real coffee. Um, now, ladies, as you leave today, we have arranged for you to get a free cup of coffee at the best shop in town. And um, because I'm feeling generous, uh, you could even use it to get one of those glorified milkshakes. All right, because let me clarify, that's not coffee either. Uh, people are like, I love coffee. And, and then you go and you get whipped cream and that's not coffee, but that's a different sermon, okay? Um, now, so I love coffee. I'm always looking for uh, an excuse to get a new coffee gadget. Uh, I'm always, you know, these things, Facebook knows, right? It knows that I love coffee. I don't know how it knows it, but it knows it. So things will pop up all the time. And so uh, a few weeks ago, something popped up and it was like, this is a special cup. 
and it will keep your coffee warm for up to 90 minutes. And so I looked at that, and, and the first thing that hit my mind was my wife would love this for Mother's Day. That really was the first thing that hit my mind. Now, I may have ulterior motives, uh, but I got a rose gold one just so I could say, honey, this is for you. So I ordered it, and she got it in, and, and uh, I, I used it about 10 times to her one. And uh, I thought, man, this is awesome. My thinking was, was if I get this for her for Mother's Day, then she will feel compelled to get me one for Father's Day. And um, I will say that uh, in the mail this week showed up, my Father's Day showed up. And uh, I told her before I was going to order it, I said, honey, I'm going to order my Father's Day present, okay? And, um, but I'm always looking for, I just, I love coffee. Now, you've probably figured out, if you've been here a while, you know this. If you actually, probably if you've been here 15 minutes, you probably know this. I love to talk. I love conversation. I love asking questions. I love listening to people. Um, I love building relationships. And I know that that, that is done through conversation. Uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, I love coffee and I don't care to sit down at a coffee shop by myself and, and drink a cup of coffee, but it is so much better when I can sit down and have conversation. So have a good cup of coffee and have conversation with someone who's willing to talk someone who, who wants to build a relationship. For me, that is as close as to heaven as you can get. So uh, over a year ago, I had this thought. I said, <clears throat> what would it be like if I could combine those two things? What would it be like if I could, could combine coffee and conversation? And what if I could sit down with some heroes of the faith? What if I could sit down over a cup of coffee, good coffee, and talk to some of the people described in Hebrews chapter 11? So every now and then, I'll pull a person out of this chapter that we know as the Hall of Faith. And um, the people that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they are people who had extraordinary faith. Now, they did have some flaws, but that's what's awesome about it. All of these people that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they had flaws, they made mistakes, they messed up, even the person we're gonna talk about today. But they're still listed in the who's who of the Bible. So, Today, in honor of Mother's Day, I want to look at a woman who we can call the mother of faith. I want to look at Sarah, Abraham's wife. We know that she endured a season that, where she had to have faith without seeing what she wanted. She had a season where she had to have faith with patience. So I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. It says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You see, sometimes when we're waiting for his promises, there's sometimes that we're waiting for his promises, but we can make mistakes. One of the mistakes that we make is that we exclude ourselves. We can be harsh about why something hasn't happened in our lives. And we, we look at ourselves and, and the way that we feel about ourselves and, and we exclude ourselves. And we look at a promise of God and we say, well, that may be true for someone else, but it's not true for me. That may be true for their life, but I'm excluded from that. And when we look at the life of Sarah, Sarah is a great picture of, of someone who refused to give up. This verse tells us that she had strength to believe that she would have a child and that God would be faithful to her. 
When she looked at God, she judged God faithfully. That's what it says. But she judged herself harshly. You see, because she felt like it was her responsibility to bring a child to her husband. In her barrenness, she looked at herself and all she could see was what she was lacking. All she could see was what she didn't have. It is thought by many theologians that that Sarah was beautiful. She had a lot going for her, but she couldn't see it. All she could do was see what she didn't have. And in our life, that's so often true. There's things in our life that we have that God has blessed us with, but we can't see them. All we can see is what someone else has. Something that someone else has that we don't. When you're thinking about mothers, you know, moms are great about seeing the potential in their children. They're great to to just see the good or the positive. You ever want to feel the wrath of a woman? Say something bad about her kid. Tell little Johnny that he's going to play right field and bat last because he's special. He's not good. Moms don't want to hear that. Why? Because they can see the potential in their child. They can see the good. And while mothers are good at that, one thing that they're not good at is, is that they judge themselves harshly. They can only see what they don't have. And so today, my my goal, my attempt is, is to allow you to leave here seeing what you have. Because what the enemy does, the enemy wants you and wants to make you feel less than what you are. But as just as we've talked about the last five weeks, the devil is a liar. He is the father of all lies. And what he tells you is not true. You aren't less. You're more. You're part of God's plan. Sarah had so much going for her. She had so many things, but all she could see was that one thing. Now, this is true in moms. It's true in women. It's true in men. It's not a gender nature. It's, it's human nature. It is so easy to compare ourselves to others. It's so easy to look at someone and say, well, you have children, but I don't. Or you're beautiful and I'm not. Or you're skinny and I'm not as skinny. You have this, and, 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 but I don't. Anything, you fill in the blank. All of these things, it's so hard not to fall into the comparison trap. But what we have to do is we have to learn and we have to understand that God has a plan. We have to become comfortable in our own skin. We have to understand that the gift that we bring, the gift that we have is priceless. The gift that we can bring to the table. So we can't exclude ourselves. We have to include ourselves. This verse says that she judged God faithful, but she judged herself harshly. Today, I want us to learn from the life of Sarah how not to judge wrongly. How not to come to the wrong conclusion about ourselves. When we look at this, there's some things that we can see. The first thing that Sarah did was she considered herself out of favor. You're not out of favor with God. In Genesis chapter 16, you can see how she saw herself. It says, so Sarah said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. In this verse, we see that she believed that the Lord was causing her not to have children, that he wasn't favoring her. Instead of seeing the favor on her life, 
This is what she saw and this is what she believed. She believed that she was out of favor. And today I want you to understand and I want you to know that you are not out of favor with God. You are chosen. When God chose Abraham, he wasn't just choosing Abraham. He was also choosing Sarah. So when you look at things, you can't exclude yourself. But you have to know that you are included in the favor of God. We just finished singing about it. He's for you. His favor is upon you. It doesn't matter what your past is. In Psalm chapter 103, verse 10, David said, he has, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. In other words, he's saying, he's not give us what we deserve. He's looked past that. We're the ones that get caught up in our past. We're the ones that can't see us the way that God sees us. How does God see us? He sees us through the eyes of his son forgiven. He sees us having favor. The New Testament says that we didn't choose him. He chose us. He favored us. And today I want you to, to find the strength to say, I am not out of favor with God. Sarah believed that she was out of favor. She believed that she had done something that was preventing her, that God was keeping her from bearing children. The second thing that Sarah thought was, was she thought she was out of time. She thought she was out of time. But I want you to know that you're never out of time. Hebrews chapter 11, in that verse 11, it says that she thought she was past the age. She thought that her time to give birth had already passed. She believed that the time frame for God's promises was over. We have to know that God doesn't work in our timing. That God's time is completely different than ours. We're aware of the time, but he isn't. And when you think you're out of time, and when you think that the time has passed, what you are saying is, is God, I'm limiting you. Paul said only God can redeem the time. In the book of Joel, it says, I will restore the years the locust has eaten. Who can do that? We can't do it, only God can do it. And God wants you to know, and I want you to know that you're never out of favor and that you're never out of time. Don't limit God. Don't see that there's a, a limitation and don't do it by comparing yourself. Sarah did that. And I believe if, if we could sit down with Sarah today, she would tell us those two things. You're never out of favor, you're never out of time, and lastly, you're never out of hope. Anybody ever felt hopeless? Anybody ever felt like that you're in a hopeless situation, that there's no use? If you're reading this story, you can, and you put yourself and insert yourself into this story and really feel for what she was going through. At this point, Sarah was hopeless. As a matter of fact, in, in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 11, she said she was as good as dead. But in Romans chapter 4, 18, we read this. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. You see, in the midst of this hopeless situation, Sarah had the strength. She had to press through the feelings of believing that she was out of favor, that she was out of time, and that she was out of hope. There's some of you here today 
that, that you believe that God isn't for you. You believe that God's not working in a situation. You believe that your best days are behind you. You believe that, that it's a lost cause, that there's, there's just nothing. It will never change. It will never happen. You believe that something in your past is coming back to, to harm you. You believe that something in your past is, is limiting you. But today you have to find the strength to give life to what God has promised you. You have to find the strength to know and to understand that his promises are yes and amen. And if he's promised it, it will happen. Your situation is not hopeless. You have to find the strength in him to give life to what you believe is dead. You can't give life to it. You can't make it happen, but God can. And God says, don't give up. You're not out of favor. You're not out of time. And it's not hopeless. So if we could sit down with Sarah, we see that those three things were stuff that she probably believed. But God was doing something in her. And learning from our mistakes is something that we all should do. And I believe that Sarah would tell us, first of all, don't have a surrogate solution to God's plan. Don't have a surrogate solution to God's plan. In good Eastern, Eastern Kentucky vocabulary, don't help God out because he doesn't need our help. Sarah said this in, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 2. She said, it may be that I may obtain children by her. You see, she was in the middle of this situation. And she decided that she needed to help God out. She, did, she decided that there was maybe a, a different solution to God's plan. And can I tell you that, that we do more damage than good when we try to help God out. When you try to help God out, you end up hurting yourself. Because here's what happens. We're in this situation and we feel hopeless. And we feel like that, that it's just not going to happen. And we try to rush in and we try to control things. And we say, you know what? I, I don't, God, I don't know what you're doing, but, but I've got a plan. And here's what we need to do. That's what Sarah did. I've got a plan. But we know a good coffee cup verse in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you future and a hope. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I have a plan for you. I have a plan. It's for your future. It's for hope. It's not for evil. But during this time of waiting, the enemy comes in. And we look at the situation and we think, man, it's just not going to happen. And we feel... And we want to take control. Do we have any backseat drivers here? How about, how about any passenger seat drivers? Hey, this wouldn't be a good, this is Mother's Day, guys. Quit looking at your wives, okay? I've told you before, I hate driving. I really do. But there's one thing that I like less than driving. It's riding. Unless I'm asleep. If I'm asleep, I don't care. Reese can drive. I don't care. But if I'm awake, if I'm coherent, I don't like, I don't like riding. Now, not when my, my wife's an excellent driver. Uh, but there are some people that scare me half to death. 
I couldn't say this in the first service, but I don't, nobody, well, everybody promise you won't tell on me, okay? My father-in-law scares me to death. If you know my father-in-law, it's 150 miles an hour, 150 hours a week. I mean, all the time, just full force. And he doesn't stop. I don't know how. He keeps the brake people in business. Because the red light, it doesn't mean slow down. I mean, you get there and you stop like that. I was riding with him the other day, and he said, where are we going now? I said, I'm going home. Reese has got school to do. I came home, and I said, I... I, I just, there was this time, I just want control. Um, there was this time that we were a little bit younger and we hadn't, I, I think we were married. We were married. We hadn't been married very long and we were going down the interstate and it was raining and I think we were somewhere in North Carolina. I don't know where we had been or where, but there was this couch in the middle of the road and it was dark. And so we get up on it and I'm watching. I wasn't asleep. And something just came over me. She was driving. I reached over and grabbed the wheel. It worked out okay. Probably wasn't a good idea. But it's what I did. Why? Because I I just felt vulnerable. I I thought, man, we're going to die. I have to have control. And we do the same thing in our lives. We want to replace God. We say, God, I need control. God, I've got a different solution. God, I've got a different plan. But what happened? When when Sarah told Abraham to have a child with Hagar, she hurt herself and she hurt others. I mean, Abraham and Hagar had a child by the name of Ishmael. And it was by that child that gave birth to the Arab nation, which today is continually at war with the Jewish nation. Her idea to help God out brought what she thought was a solution, but ended up bringing lasting hurt. I believe that Sarah would look at us and say, Just let go and let God. Let go and let God. Don't try to help him out. Don't allow the the enemy to to make us want to take control. I mean, let's, let's be real. Having patience and faith is so hard. How many people would say you're an extremely patient person? There's always somebody. Nobody? Nobody's patient. Why is that? It's, it's, it's hard. Now, I, I could look at some of you, and you're just being modest. There's some of you that do have patience. But having patience is hard. I can remember uh, we were at the old building uh, when we were still down on Central, and we had been there you know, quite some time. And, and um, as the building was getting older and less and less money w- was being put into the building and things were breaking down and and, and the lease continued to raise because we had to continue to get more space. And, and so we started looking at building after building after building after building. And every time it was just like, okay, this is it. This is it. And then it would just fall through. And then, you know, you can justify anything, right? Or you can spiritualize anything, right? We were looking at, at this one uh, particular piece of property down by the, the flood wall. And there were, I don't know what it used to be, but there were like, walls all the way around it and part of it was the flood wall and and uh so we're there and we're looking at it and I look over and there's a green sign that says gate seven and I'm like gate that's gateway that's what we call it the gate right seven we've been here seven years that's a sign from God God I know this is your plan and we went through the process and bam fell through 
And so we're going through it and we don't understand, God, what are you doing? God, you, you, you see where we're at? God, you know what we need? And we had this spiritual solution, but it wasn't what God wanted. Everything that we went never worked out and it took so long. And we had to continue to have faith and we had to continue to have patience. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. And I've told you, when we walked into this building for the first time, I thought, God, that's not your plan. Ain't no way. Somebody about four rows back sitting in the middle called me and said, did you see that Pollard Baptist for sale? And I said, did you see? I don't care. Have you seen that place? But God had a plan. Here we stand. Sometimes we look through a glass. We can't see it. But we know that he's faithful. We know that he doesn't need our help. He doesn't need my solution. The second thing I think Sarah would tell us is, is that God will refine you before he rewards you. Hebrews chapter 11 says that by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive. We live in a society that we want the reward without the refinement. We want the end result without going through it. But we have to understand that, that God is helping us walk through what we're walking through. We have to, to realize that what we're going through, that God is doing something in us. I put it this way many times. I said, God doesn't waste an opportunity. Whatever you're going through, God is going to use it to shape you, to refine you. But when we're going through it, it's so hard. But the end result will bring reward if we'll have faith and we'll be patient. You know what it is when you get the reward before the refinement? It's entitlement. That's what it produces produces entitlement. I just, I just want the reward. I don't want to go through it. But on the other hand, when you get the reward after the refinement, that brings empowerment. And that lets you know that this is not by me. And that God has been working and doing something in me. James chapter 1 verse 4 says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience is not a dirty word. God says, I need to refine you before I can reward you. God's saying, I'm doing a work in you. In Sarah's life, God was doing something deep within her that, that she couldn't see. Before that child would come, he was doing something on the inside. But you have to have patience. Psalm chapter 105, verse 19 says, Into the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord tried him. That's talking about the life of Joseph. Joseph had had a dream that he would be a leader. But God had some refining to do. It didn't just happen just like that. And it says the word of the Lord tried him. He had to be faithful. He had to be patient. Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord and he, he shall give you the desires of your heart. In, in other words, you need to, to, to delight yourself in what God is doing in your life. You say, do you know what I'm going through? Maybe, maybe not, but God does. And he says that in everything that you go through, 
You have to have delight. You have to delight yourself. And when you do that, he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's not a fun process. But your development comes before your desire. The third thing I believe Sarah would tell us, I used to say is the cup of coffee would start to get cold, but not if you got one of those good cups. You got 90 minutes. The third thing is, is don't let the miraculous crowd out. Don't let the ridiculous crowd out the miraculous. Don't let the ridiculous crowd out the miraculous. The way that this story ends seems ridiculous. I mean, a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man having a child. I mean, that is crazy. It's so crazy that in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, it says, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? So Sarah laughed. Sarah thought, this is foolish. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. Genesis 18, 14, two verses later says, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. God said to her, don't laugh. God said to her, it may, to you, it may seem ridiculous, but I'm getting ready to do something miraculous. God said to her, you're not out of favor. You're not out of time. You're not out of hope. And in this moment, she had to realize that every promise of God had the power to come to pass. They even named their son Isaac, which means laughter. And I believe that every time that she picked him up, all she could think about was the miraculous. Christy and I, we, and you probably know this, and I love telling the story, and I, I won't go into it, but if you would love to hear the whole story, I know a good coffee place, and we can talk. But for 15 years, we were unable to conceive. And if I would tell you, or if you know the story of what God did in our lives, you would think, man, that seems ridiculous. You would think, man, you, you, that, you got that off a movie. You're lying. Because I can tell you, when I look back at it, I think it's ridiculous. But I know that I know that I know that God did a miracle. Something miraculous. And every time that I look at her, I know that God is a supernatural God. There was a man in the New Testament that lost his daughter. Jarius. And when Jesus came, he said, oh, don't worry, she's only sleeping. And they laughed. You know what Jesus said? Get the unbelievers out of here. Because I'm getting ready to do something miraculous. Whatever God's promised, he'll do. Even if it seems ridiculous, he's supernatural. Regardless of what it looks like, Sarah had to come to the conclusion that, that there was nothing too difficult for God. There's nothing too difficult for God. There's nothing too difficult for God. 
It doesn't matter what you're going through. You may think, man, you may be a mom here and you may cry every night over your children. And you may think, man, what did I, where did I go wrong? And you may think they're, they're too far gone. Nothing is impossible for God. You, you may think, man, I'll, I'll never get my finances in order. Nothing is impossible for God. Whatever your situation, whatever you're up against, whatever you're going through, you have to know and you have to understand and you have to hold on to the fact that there's nothing impossible for him. You may be sitting here today and you think, but, but, but pastor, you don't, you don't know. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. Pastor, it's easy for you to stand up there with a the microphone and tell me that it's going to be okay. Listen, I've been where you are. I've been in those moments where it looks like that everything is going wrong. And it looks like that the whole world is against you. And it looks like that your world has been turned upside down. I've been there. But in those moments, faith, patience, knowing, and believing that God is working everything together for your good. He sees right where you are. He knows what you're going through and he cares. And he said, listen, you may think that you're out of favor. You may think that you're out of time. You may feel that the situation is hopeless. It's the way Sarah felt. It's what Sarah was going through. But God said he can put hope into a hopeless situation. So my question today is, is what do you need to believe God for? What do you need to believe God for? What is it in your life? What is it that the enemy has been constantly bombarding you with and telling you that it's never going to change, that the situation is never going to get better, that the promise of God will never come true? What is it in your life? And I believe if we're honest with ourselves and with God, that there are things in our lives that we're trying to have faith. We're trying to be patient. We're trying to, to believe his promises. But man, some days it's just so hard. Maybe you're in a, stuck in a, in, in a job that you think, man, God, why am I still here? God, I need out of this place. Every Friday that you get off, you go home thinking, man, this is going to be the weekend. Something happens. The alarm clock goes off on Monday and you're headed back to that same place. Sometimes it's hard to have faith. Sometimes it's hard to be patient. 
because we live in a very impatient society. And how many people, how many people fast food's not fast enough? How many people like sitting in the drive-thru? Anybody? How many people like it when you've been in the drive-thru and you pull up and, and they say, uh, that chicken sandwich, could you uh, pull over there? And I'm thinking, I've already been sitting in this thing for 30 minutes. Why? Because we're not patient. But God says, patience, faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I want to ask you the question, do, is there something in your life Is there a situation that feels hopeless? Is there a situation that you've been tempted or maybe even tried to help God out? To come up with a different plan or a different solution? Listen, today may be Mother's Day, but this is not just for women. It's for all of us. We can learn something from this woman of faith. We can learn from her mistakes we can learn through her victory. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, there's something in my life. That I need something miraculous to happen. Would you slip up your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I need something miraculous. I need something that when people who don't know God look at it and see what happened, they'll think that's ridiculous. But I need something supernatural. Anybody else? Thank you. I believe there's some of you here today that you've been in this situation for a while. You've been wondering you've been trying to figure it out. God's saying just let go of it and let me let me have it. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Just like the first service, something supernatural happened around this altar. Some chains were broken. Some people who came in hopeless left with hope. I believe God wants to do the same thing today, right now. So if, if you lifted your hand or even if you didn't, you feel the Spirit speaking to you. It may seem ridiculous to you to step out and walk down to an altar. You may think, oh, that's not me. That's ridiculous. But I'm telling you, sometimes that step of faith that seems ridiculous can bring about 
your miracle. So as they begin to sing, I'm going to pray. And as they're singing and I'm praying, I'm going to ask you to maybe step out of your comfort zone. Come down and stand, kneel, whatever you want to do at this altar. But we have a prayer team that wants to pray with you, wants to believe with you, wants to allow you to know that not only will God go with you, but that you have people that he's placed in your life that want to walk with you as well. It's all about relationship. It's all about community. It's all about each other. Don't let the enemy cheat you out of what God has for you this morning. So as they sing and as I pray, I'm going to ask if you feel compelled to come to this altar and we're going to pray. We're going to believe God for supernatural things. Father, I come before you today. God, I'm so thankful for your promises. Your promises that are yes and amen. God, I know that there are people here today, God, who are in the midst of situations, God, that seem impossible. But God, I know that all things are possible with you. God, I pray Father, my heart breaks for people who, God, feel like they're in hopeless situations. Father, I know that I know that I know, God, that you specialize in putting hope into those situations. God, I pray right now that you do something miraculous in this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, can you declare this song today? In all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, and I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I'll give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your Through the fire, 
been set free. There is a cross that bears the burden. Another died for me. There was another in the fire. Standing next to me. There was another in the waters. Holding back the sea. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free? There is a cross that bears the burden. Another died for me. There was another in the fire. Whoa, there was another in the fire. Oh, there was another in the fire. Oh, there was another in the fire. think about that song as I was praying and listening to them sing, I could just think about the three Hebrew children. And they were there in the fire and when they said, I, I, I see a fourth man. And it's like the Son of God. And God wants you to know If you're in the fire, you're not alone. If you're in the water, you're not alone. He's with you. He's for you. Not against you. He has plans that you can't dream. You can't think. It says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his plans are so much better than ours. Can somebody say amen? I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank you for allowing us to, to speak into your life. Once again, if you're a guest, thank you for being here. Uh, we, we love seeing new faces. And uh, we love what God's doing and what he's going to do. And not only in our church, but in our community. Uh, be sure to remember May 23rd. Yes, May 23rd, I think. Um, we'll be having a um, growth track. Moms, be sure, or women, anybody over the age of 16, when you go out, they've got a couple of gifts for you. Uh, we thank you. Today, we honor you. Men, take your wives out to lunch. Don't make them do anything today. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday. May God go with you. There was another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in